You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Well, well, what's up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome to another episode of The Takeover Grand Rising to all of you out there. We are here for day three right here at Waterfront Park at Pier 62. And we are so elated to jump off our all-star weekend with all of you. And y'all know I'm excited because anytime I get the opportunity to sit beside my guy, Big O, it's on and popping. What up, Big O? Hey, good morning, Trey Holiday. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Day three out here is feeling good. Yeah, no, it's feeling good. It's feeling we're we're coming off amazing night last night. We might have to switch mics. Coming out amazing night last night with our partners, Baseball Beyond Borders and Friends of Waterfront Seattle. Man, the uplift was real. It was so real. It was just lit, full of amazing blackness. I had a dope time. My sister queen's in the building. You know it was popping up. Yeah, no, big, 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 big shout out last night, man. And, you know, we'll hear from Buki Gates um, later on here in the show. But we always want to encourage people, you know what I'm saying? Believe in giving. And if you want to give, you know, Seattle sometimes is is a real unique kind of city is that especially around young people, we wait until our young people are in crisis. Then we want to make an investment. But, you know, baseball beyond borders, the CD Panthers, you know, uh, fast fathers and sons together. These are all places where investments happen early. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And we need to continue to invest in our young people early. And baseball beyond borders is one of those things. Speaking of that, we got an amazing show today. We got a whole lot of converge mixed in here early on, too. We got our guy, Chuck Charles Hammaker. There he is from Circling Seattle Sports, man. I'm so proud of this young man. Charles Hammaker came to Converge like, uh, what was it, a, a year, a year and some change ago, right? Yeah. Almost two years now. The the best thing, you know, still at Student University of Washington, him and my son uh, actually worked together, you know, at the time of Circling Seattle Sports. He came to Converge. He already had 150 episodes on his podcast. Right. And, you know, I tell people all the time, the number one thing I look for is commitment. You know what I'm saying? We can teach you anything, but we can't teach you commitment. You know what I'm saying? We can't teach you uh, a search for excellence. We can't teach you to want to be perfect. We can't. We teach you to wake up, you know, early and stay up late. Charles joined us with all those skills, man. He went from like a podcast, this and that has grown. And, you know, Chuck's credentialed everywhere. His all-star credentials came out before anybody could write. My lion, Ike, who number one on the list? Yeah, right. Charles Hammaker uh-huh. on our all-star credential list. So we're really proud of him. He's going to give us some oversight on the Swingman Classic happening tonight, some players to watch, and also what Mariners are in the all-star game. But also, what other all-stars are coming to town? Yeah. Because that's something people don't really talk about. We're Absolutely. so caught up. We're right here. Basa Gordon is in the building, and Basa is going to be tapping in as well. I think Basa is doing some interviews. And, of course, Basa's show tomorrow. It's tomorrow. There he is. Yeah. So Basa is uh, interviewing Victoria Hayward, and that's the assistant coach at UW softball, and Amber Kelly, co-founder of UW Women's Club Baseball. Man, you busy over there, huh, Basa? Okay. I love it. <laughs> You'll find me at the snacks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, there go my mama. 
My Aww. mama, my mama on the way down. Hey, what's up, hey, mom? Special <laughs> recognition. You know it's a big hey. day at the pier because all the mamas is out. Mama Ever Art is here. Yes. <laughs> mama Walden is here. Mama T Dub is here. All the mamas in the building. Yeah, my mama says she is watching from home and she is shaking that thing. <laughs> she said that's what she told me to tell y'all. <laughs> <laughs> is she's that what it is? With us at the house. She's pre-fucking. I, 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 <laughs> all right. <laughs> cool. Well, what we're gonna do uh right now is um we've been talking about food, food previews the whole week, man. We want people to be intentional to spend some quaint, spend some coin, especially with small businesses in the CID and also in the central district. And you know, you can go to the Green Path app. That's visitseattle.org forward slash all star to that. Yeah. There it is. Visit org forward slash MLB dash all dash star. There's the app there. And uh, the last few places we talked about has actually been on the app. But we got one uh, right here. This was this is the new Jerk Shack Chicken. Cause we need people to get up in the Central District. Go, you know what I'm saying? This Renaissance, this reunion on Union. Really? You know, if you're coming into town for All Star, or actually, if you even live here, but you know, an opportunity to try something new. So the last few places uh, yesterday was Pike Place Market. The day before was over there in Soto next to the stadium. We're taking it here to 23rd and Union Jerk Shack Kitchen. Okay, you guys, today I was able to be the first customer at the new Jerk Shack Kitchen. It's located on Union, which is not only dope because it's on Union, believe it or not, Trey Lamont, the chef and owner of Jerk Shack, is actually from the Central District. So if you ask me, that means that Jerk Shack is coming home, and I think that's absolutely amazing. I was able to order, uh, let's see, we had the grilled fish, we had grilled shrimp, and I even had a whole soft-shelled crab sandwich. Like, literally had little legs dangling it on it. It was a whole vibe. Look, if you haven't been here, definitely pull up once they do their full opening. Today's a soft opening, but I'm already knowing. As you can see, we have a huge line, so it's going to be a complete success. This is the soft opening of Jerk Shack Kitchen, our new location um, in the Central District, 23rd Union, in the heart of the Central District. You know, this is where I'm from. I was born and raised in the CD, so you know, you have to bring it back home. Here is more of a relaxed vibe, chill vibe, to go ordering um, setup. It's uh, old to my food truck. So I started out as a food truck, went to brick and mortar, and now it's kind of brick and mortar food truck fusion. And it's based around our sandwiches and our plates, just quick and good service and street food in the Caribbean is where it's at. Things that are gonna stand out to Seattle Lights is our soft shell crab sandwich, our soft shell crab fried break sandwich. It's amazing. You get amazing flavor, it hits you in the face. And then also our grilled fish and grilled shrimp items. Like it's just packed full of flavor. And now you can get shrimp plates and fish plates fried as well. So you can get the option fried or grilled. Oh man, it's, it's really meaningful for me to come back home to the Central District because we're trying to do, uh, bring back folks to the Central District, you know, bring back folks that come from the Central District and I'm one of them. So it means a lot, it, it, it means a whole lot because we're here, I'm here, and uh, we'll, that'll give us an opportunity to allow folks that are no, no longer in this community, living in this community, to come back to familiar faces. Just show love and come and support and um, be be mindful that this is a soft opening and we're trying to figure our process out and you know things on the menu may change, things, um, things might be added. So if you come here and you try something new, 
that we don't have, or if you've been downtown and you're like, well, where's this item? Trust me, we're, we're just trying to figure things out for this location. Food is amazing. It's flavorful. Like, it has all the vibes that I actually needed on this lovely, lovely Monday. Like, I can go to a barbecue. I'm okay here. <laughs> Yeah, not a the crab. I, I had a crab sandwich, <laughs> and the crabs. I'll be honest with you, I ate everything. Uh, I was about to say <laughs> only the crab sandwich, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I can't lie, man. I, I ate everything because you know a week later we did a shoot there at Armoire with uh, with Duck Baldwin, and so you know that was like a four hour shoot, man. You know I just. Went back and forth. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Make sure we get out there to support Jerk Shack right there on Union. Again, as you said, a real renaissance happening over there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And hey, this brother has arrived. He is here. <laughs> we get ready to bring him to the set. I'm talking very is Shakundi Salisbury, President Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Epsilon Epsilon Sigma Chapter, <laughs> also known as my big brother. We're going to take a quick break. The takeover continues. Hi, my name is Shekendi Salisbury, and I'm a proud alumnus of Elizabeth City State University and a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity. And hello, my name is Jacqueline Howard, a proud alumnus of Duke University and a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Hi, my name is Curtis Delgado II, a proud alumnus of the Hampton University and a proud member of the Gamma Epsilon Chapter of Omega South Phi Fraternity. And hi, my name is Angela Booker, a proud alum of Alabama Agricultural and Mechanical University and a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. We are here today with our Divine Nine family to tell you about a home run opportunity for high school students in the Seattle area looking to attend an HBCU in the future. And I am talking about the HBCU College Fair happening Friday, July 7th at T-Mobile Park where college recruiters and representatives from Howard University, Ramblin', Tuskegee, Morehouse, Florida A&M, Southern University, Langston, and my alma mater, Elizabeth City State University, Alabama Agricultural Mechanical University and Perry View a We'll all be in the building to answer all of your questions about these prestigious universities as well as give you applications and further information. The HBCU College Fair kicks off a few hours before the HBCU Swingman Classic presented by King Griffey Jr. at 7 p.m. where 50 of the best black college baseball players in America will take to the field for an all-star game under the bright lights in T-Mobile Park. This is truly a doubleheader you don't want to miss. Black College Fair and the HBCU Swing Band Classic. Friday, July 7th at 5 p.m. Followed by the HBCU Swing Band Classic at 7 p.m. And we are capping off the night with the fireworks show. Tickets to the HBCU Swing Band Classic are only $10 and include a college fair and are available at allstargame.com. The HBCU Fair is powered by the United Negro College Fund, the Major League Baseball Players Association, and the Major League Baseball Youth Development Foundation. I see this is a big deal. I'm, I'm capturing the moment here. You know what I'm saying? My IG, I got my big brother on the set. You know what I'm saying? My brother, Cun, we call him Cun Love, but today he's in a... a a real serious capacity. Shikundi Salisbury. 
<laughs> Welcome in my brother, Shakundi Salisbury, a proud member of Phi Beta Sigma fraternity. Welcome to the takeover, bro. Yeah, what's good, man? It's just happy to be here. Finally on the pier. Yeah. Let's go. You're here with the Marshawn. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> you see, my mama's sitting over there, so she find him. I'd be like, Mom, Kundi wasn't here. Then she had to give him the fine. But Kun's here, man. How are you? You know what I'm saying? Uh, tell us, the uh, HBC Swingman Classic is tonight, and there's been a lot of talk about the Swingman Classic, but there's also a college fair this before the game, and maybe you can tell us the, what the college fair, some of that, right. and also what the Divine Nine is doing. Yeah, so, you know, again, super excited to be here. Oh, um, as you know, we both attended Elizabeth City State University, home of the Mighty Vikings. Go Vikings! In Northeast North Carolina. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just super excited here to represent uh, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity. I'm the president of our chapter here, the Seattle Sigmas, the Epsilon, Epsilon Sigma. And so, yeah, the college fair is going to start out earlier in the evening, about 5 p.m., and the doors are open, and we're just really excited. I think the entire Divine Nine, as well as all the HBCUs that are going to be presenting uh, today to uh, continue to expose young people and families and, and folks that, you know, we have a huge refugee community here. Seattle is a real mixing spot, and so it's a great opportunity for us to uh, not only showcase, the, you know, obviously the baseball talent and the like, but, but really our institutions, our history, our legacy, and these are the tenets and the foundation that kept our community together uh, over the years, especially, um, you know, as, as the country is, you know, on, on the on the precipice, if you will, of returning to some dark times, and, you know, Supreme Court rulings. This is a great time to remind people that we have our own organizations. We have our own institutions that have stood the test of time and that we are here for them to uh, come on home. Yeah, I you know I I hear what you're saying. You know, a lot of people hit me with, with Supreme Court rulers. I was like, man, I don't know. I went to a black school, so <laughs> you know, you know what I'm, I'm saying. I was I wasn't really impacted in my in my my career trajectory. You know what I'm saying. I went to a small black school in North Carolina, and still ended up going pro in radio was my my first gig. I yeah. went pro. I have a little tiny uh, black college in northeastern North Carolina, and I'm right here right now. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, get it. It's funny that you remember this from being on the yard, and anybody that's watching right now uh, that went to HBCU, uh, there was always a couple of white people on campus, and we always looked at them like, I wonder if they got in through affirmative action. <laughs> well, no, but because there was that 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 was a it was a flip in northeastern yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. There, there was an affirmative action program geared towards white students to bring exactly. more white students into the black exactly. colleges. Exactly. And so maybe <laughs> we don't have to do that now. But you know what? I would say that Elizabeth City is welcoming of everything, of everybody. 100%. Our schools have always been welcoming uh, to folks that could not, you know, get into other institutions for whatever reason. And so um, this is a great time to talk about HBCUs and the and the and the the platform and of course of course you know we love elizabeth city state university ecsu but i know that there's many people out there that are coming i was on facebook and i saw my friend deidre lee she went to southern she's coming down she got all the southern love that coming down in their shirts tonight and so just to highlight that this thing for us is for life uh, our organizations are for life. And again, they got us through. They got our grandparents through. They got our great grandparents through. Uh, and these are our schools and institutions. And tonight's a great time to highlight them.
right? And one, one thing for sure is that our family, the Salisbury's, one way or another, have, have been at Elizabeth City State University for almost a century. Yeah, and it's a great thing. Uh, you know, uh, as you know, uh, uh, my daughter Alma, your niece, is a recent grad, 2021, and she is a fourth-generation legacy of Elizabeth City State University. We are third-generation legacies. Uh, my father, our father, James Salisbury, uh, Jr. was a third generation legacy, and our great aunt was the first person in our family to attend uh, an HBCU in Elizabeth City State University. And so uh, that's the kind of legacy that our schools have. And many of the young people around here, for whatever reason, have not don't have a tie into that. Right. We have a lot of new folks here and we had a lot of people. The first wave. I know you guys on Converge here, we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the history of Seattle and, and the waves of different people that came. A lot of them came with these connections to the South, right? And everybody had Big Mama that moved from Louisiana and went to Southern or Grambling or what have you. And so there was a tie back to that. But as we get more further and further removed from those people that came up here to work at Boeing in World War II or to work in the shipyard and those grandmas, you know, leave us these young people now do not have a connection to the HBCU that might have been in their family or somebody, the legacy of that. And so I'm hoping that this HBCU classic tonight and the ensuing fair will allow the young people to come here and renew that connection. They might not even realize that they great uncle or such and such went to Tuskegee or FAM or Grambling or Elizabeth City, right? You never know, but but today's the day that we can make those reconnections. And that's why I'm excited about this event. I'm encouraging everybody to bring their children out, come learn about, uh, you know, the, uh, the different schools that are there. And of course, ECSU. Yeah, of, of course. And it's, I mean, it's real deal. I know, uh, what's it called? Bookie Gates got a, a fond affection at Jackson state university. Yeah. And there's quite a few JSU alumni including uh, Avery, the principal over at Rainier Beach High School, yeah, went yeah. to Jackson State. So, you know what I'm saying? Carissa Braxton went to Howard. Uh, Trey Holiday went to Howard. Yes, uh, Curtis Delgado went to Hampton. Yeah. So it's like, H-U. you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, and they always fight over who's the real HU. So, right. <laughs> well, you know what? No matter what yard you were on, we share a common bond, man. We 100%. share that thing about the calf and, you know, the, the yard, the plot. All those different things that happen at an HBCU, these are things that, that transcend each yard. You could touch down an onion campus and use that terminology, where's the calf, 100%. right? 100%. And somebody's going to point you to the calf, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's just something, that, and that's why there's so much love. It's a friendly rivalry. I most certainly go back and forth with the happy people. We feel we're the best, but we most certainly know that uh that is is a real fraternity or sorority or organization to be a part of to just know you went and have some love at HBCU. That's that's real deal. Also, a big shout out to our girl Julia Jesse. Behold the green and gold of oh, yeah, that Norfolk, Norfolk State. Norfolk yeah, State. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Our big rival when I was in school. Cun, thanks for joining us, man. Is there any anything else you want people to know or how they can well, follow? You know what? What I like to tell people today, uh, especially those that are looking at the HBCU. Uh, ECSU most certainly should be a part of your uh, calculations. ECSU is the most affordable uh, HBCU in America. Out-of-state tuition is only $5,000. 
$5,000 a year. Yes, you heard me right. $5,000 a year for out-of-state tuition. Okay, now, of course, you need to still pay room and board, but Elizabeth City is the most affordable option. And obviously, you have some amazing graduates here before you. So do not uh, uh, discount Elizabeth City State University, especially when you look at some of the other institutions that are upwards of fifty dollars and $60,000 a year to attend. Elizabeth City is most certainly a bargain at $5,000 a year. So that's ecsu.edu. Yeah, that's what's up. And, you know, I mean, I'll tell you this, too. ECSU, for sure, in the state of North Carolina as a whole, as far as, like, you know what I'm saying, making things accessible is dope. My brother, Kun, you guys, man, make sure to check him out. He's going to be manning a few tables, you know, back and forth between yeah, Phi the Phi Beta, Beta Sigma. Sigma table and the Elizabeth City State University table uh, here at T-Mobile Park in a few hours. Kun, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Mike and Pride, Mike and Pride, Mike and Pride. Look at him. He's breaking all protocol, run off the set. He really was trying not to get fired. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We come right back. We're going to breeze through. Uh, what's up next with Charles Hammaker? Then we got a whole bunch of great guests for you. You're watching The Takeover. Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out, down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. Hey, I'm Basil Gordon. You may have heard my voice on Hits 106.1 or seen me on Converge Media, but now I'm coming to TV. I'm hosting the newest show on Fox 13 called Back to Basa. Check us out every weekend for the hottest topics, interviews, the latest trends, and uplifting stories. We're going to have so much fun, and teens, we got you too. Back to Basa, Saturday nights, 10.30 on Fox 13, and Sundays at 10 a.m. on Fox 13 Play. One in every 500 African Americans in the U.S. suffers from sickle cell disease. One in three African American blood donors is a match for patients with sickle cell. One appointment to donate blood with the American Red Cross can help save a life. Will you be that one? Visit redcrossblood.org/ourblood today to schedule an appointment at a location near you. Hi, I'm Basa Gordon from Converge Media, Hits 106.1, and back to Basa on Fox 13. And I'm Buki Gates from Baseball Beyond Borders. And we are here at T-Mobile Park where on July 7th they will host the very first ever HBCU Swing Man Classic. That's right, Basa. Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, has rounded up 50 of the very best ball players from HBCUs from all across the country from schools like Jackson State, Grambling, Southern, FAMU, North Carolina A&T, Alabama State, and many more. It's literally the all-star game before the all-star game, right? Exactly. And the fact that the very first HBCU Swingman Classic is happening right here in the Emerald City is a big deal. A big deal indeed. And it feels like a whole lot of black college homecoming by. You already know what it is. Don't miss out on this historic opportunity to see the very best of the best black college baseball players right here at T-Mobile Park on July 7th. Tickets are on sale now at allstargame.com. See you there. The new COVID-19 updated booster provides the best protection available right now. So don't wait. 
Stay safe this summer and get your updated booster today. To find a free vaccine provider near you, go to kingcounty.gov forward slash vaccine. Welcome back to the takeover here, All Star Edition live from Pier 62. Happy right now to have my buddy Charles Hammerker, as we say, Chuck from Circling Seattle Sports. Man, what's happening? Great to be here. Oh, I mean, it's a week of baseball. Nothing better for you and I. I mean, we yeah. both love this game, so you know. Nah, this is our time right now. You know, people have been emailing me about all kinds of stuff. I auto responded on, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not out on leave. Nobody's sick. But like. This this moment right here, this is what we've been waiting for. I'll catch you in a week or two. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, Chuck, we've been talking about the uh, the Swingman ever since it was announced back in December of last year. And we've been following this story diligently and clearly promoting it and some of everything else. But you know, we've been pushing people to the game, but we haven't really talked so much about the game. And I know that you've been kind of studying behind the scenes, and, you know, some players that we should be on the lookout for. So let's talk about it. Yeah, no, there are a few. I mean, first of all, I want to say there's a ton of talent here. And that's the whole point of this, right, is a showcase. Now, you know, you see a few of the names here. Highland Hall is, is featured on the photo there. He actually went to the University uh, Washington State before he transferred, got a better opportunity here at uh, BC. But we talked about – you guys talked about Jackson State, right? You see Ty Hill there at third uh -huh. base. There's only two third basemen in this whole thing. Ty Hill has great numbers. He was uh, up in the preseason watch list for the best collegiate player in all of baseball last year uh and ricky weeks jr who's actually on the coaching staff won that award uh, at southern university down at baton rouge so ty hill's a guy that i'm really excited to see great hitter but some of the guys keelan mack has great power uh, 30 homers over the uh last three seasons you know who doesn't love home runs ty hack ty hanshi has, has great numbers as well but ty hill man he's a guy who's been on that that watch list so people are on notice as one of the best players in all of college all of all of college baseball Boogie, was it? Did you? Did they tell you about Ty Hill when he was down at Jackson State? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good stuff. You know, we were down there on that field. You know, uh, second year in a row. I, I didn't know. I knew that Jackson State has players coming up. I didn't realize this guy was that good. It, I mean, all that that watch list. So they got their eye on him. So, uh huh. Uh, he's got great numbers. Great numbers. Great, great numbers uh, across the board. Three seasons. But I wanted to so say, oh. You know, looking at all these position groups, whether it's catchers, pitchers, infield, whatever, there's a lot of guys who have been at, at the college level for a few years, right? But a lot of younger talent, a lot of guys who just finished their freshman year. So these guys are only going to get better. Yeah, you you know, they uh, MLB pushed back in a good way two days ago because I was like, ah, man, well, you know, um, this last World Series was the first one in 70 years that there wasn't a, a black American player on, on either roster. And what Misha heard from Major League Baseball said, she said, that's true. But this last draft, you 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 have more black players, draft. you know what I'm saying, drafted in the early rounds than you've had in years. Kind of saying that this pipeline, that you know, this RBI pipeline now that's been going on for years is really catching up. And also people paying attention to like the HBCUs and everything else, guys are getting a look. And not only are they getting looked, they're getting drafted. So and I think thinking optimistically and looking at the numbers at least, that's only going to continue. That's only going to continue and get better 
just looking at the freshman years that so many of these players that are at this showcase have. And that's just the 50 players at the showcase. That's not even including the ones that maybe didn't make it or couldn't. This is true. You know, I can see you're excited about that. And you're a real baseball guy. So it's like when you're saying this is great talent, you know what I'm saying? I know you. You don't sugarcoat it. So we're, we're looking for you. You're going to be over there early, right? Oh, of course. You going probably, to bat practice? Oh, yeah. Probably as soon as we get done here, honestly. <laughs> I mean, shoot. <laughs> That's why I said me and Chuck live for this, man. You'll find us in the press box. And by, by the way, I'll just tell you, man, you know, how much how much we're, we're gaining in the market. Last year with the Seattle Mariners, we had what was called day of, and we had to try to be able to, to get a, a permanent seat in the press box. But believe it or not, this year, Converge Media, Circle of Seattle Sports, we have our own seat there. It's a designated seat for every single Mariners game. That's our seat up there in the press box. And a lot of that is because of Charles Hammaker's consistent reporting and diligence and him and Bell Garcia and our photography corps. But imagine that, Converge Media. We got <laughs> we got our seat there in the press box. We got more work to do, but man, it is it is a lot of fun, and especially but, an event like that. You were so excited for this this morning, man. So it, it got me even more excited <laughs> to watch these players. And they got a fireworks show after, so it's it's going to be a whole great thing. All right, real quick, we already know the Mariners and who the Mariners are has been covered a lot and covered a lot. Who else is coming to town though? So there are a few notable names. I mean, we look at Shohei Otani is the big one, you right. know, pitching and, and hitting. You know, look back at a guy like Babe Ruth. Shohei is the modern day Babe Ruth and arguably better than him. But I wanted to look at a few guys. You know, Randy Rosarena and Ronald Acuna Jr. are some of the most exciting young players in all of baseball, making baseball fun again, right? Because you don't watch. I mean, they add these old these new rules to make it fast and you know, all this alternate rule stuff. Those guys make the game fun again. But the last name on there, Corbin Carroll, he was born here in Seattle. So he's a local kid. He's a big star for the Diamondbacks. And he's a rookie this year. And he's a MVP candidate. A rookie is an MVP candidate. That's pretty good. So a few of those guys, but the local talent, I, I'm biased. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to look at the local guys as well. All right. Well, good stuff. You know what I'm saying? We, we've got a great bird's eye view. Of all the all-star activities, man, want to appreciate all the work you're doing. Look in the camera right there. Tell people they can follow Circling Seattle Sports. So, I mean, Circling Seattle Sports, we're on Twitter, at Circling Sports. On Instagram, there's threads, this new thing, this new social media, threads, at Circling Seattle Sports. Of course, we're on Converge Media every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific time with our weekly wrap-up of all the pro sports. At Circling Seattle Sports, you'll find us just about everywhere. All right, good stuff, good stuff. We're going to take a break, and we're going to do something different here, Ike. But, yeah, Buki Gates and EC Park, look at these guys. Well, they clean up well. Nice photos there. Actually, Buki always stunned. He's, he's always, yeah, be looking like a bum. We and Buki be showing up to the same place. His stuff's all custom. <laughs> we got Buki Gates and EC Parker. We're going we're gonna to skip that break, though, uh, Ike. And I'm going to introduce Commissioner's Cup right now. So what's going on right now from the 6th through the 10th is the Commissioner's Cup. And the Commissioner's Cup is where youth all-star teams from all across America and a few internationally come here to Seattle. Well, they come during All-Star Week and they play during All-Star Week. This is the first year ever that Seattle has a team to participate in it. And it's being coached by Baseball Beyond Borders, like you'll see here in this video. And guess what? Uh, Ty France... And J.P. Crawford, they they surprised the team to tell them that they made the team. And guess whose cameras were there? The only cameras were there, outside of the Mariners, of course, the only cameras that were there were ours. Some of y'all been to Jackson. 
there's a reason why we were in that space uh, to give back to the community, but also to kind of help us recognize and understand where we're at in the Northwest and the privilege that we kind of have as far as the resources, accessibility to things that they don't have. Um, and so I think that's part of our mission as an organization is to really go deeper, dig deeper. It's not just about how we look on the field, but what we do off the field says everything about who we are. You have the talent, skill, and ability. You wouldn't be sitting in this space if you didn't have that, right? Somebody saw that in you. But it's bigger than just what you can do in between the lines. So the Commissioner's Cup is an annual event um, that Major League Baseball puts on during All-Star Week. It actually, it's a youth baseball showcase representing many of the Urban Youth Academies and RBI programs across our country, um, and even some internationally, um, that then comes in and participates. This is the first team Seattle will have as a representation within the since the inception. So it's a big deal. We just wanted to congratulate you guys on being the first Seattle team to uh, represent, you know, the, the city of Seattle in the Commissioner's Cup. Continue to grind, continue to put that work in and enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So what they're telling you is that you've made the Commissioner's Cup team and you're going to go and represent Seattle come July 6th through 10th. I'm pretty sure like everybody else is feeling like it's a, it's a great experience and it gives us a better uh, view of what is to happen if we keep in that working. This is exciting. It's going to be a great experience like being able to play at this level and being able just to have the experience seeing all the MLB players and see where I want to be one day. There's definitely intentionality between Major League Baseball, its youth programs division, and really seeing that the Commissioner's Cup, Jennifer's Classic, and other youth programs are a viable source to really showcase the talents and skills of student athletes. We get a chance to play in front of our home crowd, and that's the beauty of it, right? It's not only allowing our kids to be seen in front of their peers, right, their families, but it also gives us the ability to have our program on display and RBI baseball to be on display so that the broader community, the broader Pacific Northwest community can see the great resources that we have in our youth. You know, keep balling. You never know if this tournament can change your life. Um, so yeah, go out there and win it too. Welcome back to The Takeover here on Pier 62. I am a guest host for this segment, Buki Gates with Baseball Beyond Borders. I'm here with my good friend, man, colleague. Uh, really, I'll say my best friend, E.C. Parker. How you doing, E.C.? I'm doing wonderful, bro. How you feeling? I'm doing great, man. Great to be here. It's an opportunity for us to talk a little bit about the work of Baseball Beyond Borders. Uh, we actually just had a segment that came off of the Commissioner's Cup. Uh, this is the first year Seattle has had a team. We are representing Seattle uh, amongst this Commissioner's Cup. We just came back from our 8 a.m. game. We mm -hmm. didn't have the success that we wanted, but we also didn't lose at yeah, the same know. time. So we tied which uh, with Compton, the Urban Youth Academy. Yeah, 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 which is a beautiful thing. I mean, obviously, having an opportunity for the program to represent um, in any Major League Baseball-sponsored event is a beautiful thing and an opportunity for exposure for, um, you know, the student-athletes that represent our area. Um, I don't think, you know, none of them take that opportunity lightly, and uh, it's, it's really cool, something that these guys can ex experience and enjoy and cherish for the rest of their days. That's right. I know a couple of years ago, we, we actually started this journey with Converge Media. Um, and at the time, we actually participated in the 2021 RBI World Series right. um, down in Vero Beach, Florida. Talk a little about that experience and how it's now propelled us to where we are today. Yeah, well, that experience was incredible. Obviously, it started with our 
uh, regional trip in LA um, when we won that tournament, which qualified us for the World Series in Florida. Um, and and so having an opportunity to go down there, obviously it was still COVID, so we didn't get to experience, or the kids didn't get to experience everything in the area, but just having an opportunity again to play in, an, in another major league um, sponsored event with teams from all over the country, um, it was it was it was incredible. And obviously, we had the gift and the, of having one of our former guys who now runs the uh, RBI program in Pittsburgh yeah. um, coaching a team there. So it was like a full circle moment for us as a program as well, but a great experience for the kids there who and some of whom are now participating in the uh, Commissioner's Cup as well. That's right. So so what, what we have now is the ability to even experience the HBCU Classic, yeah. the showcase. Yeah. And I think when we look at our the Northwest, we often don't get the chance to see baseball from an HBCU perspective. Um, oftentimes it's all the academic, right? We, we do right. college tours and trips to HBCUs, but we never get a chance to see that. This is the first time in Seattle's history, I believe, that we've had an HBCU team, or at least a culmination of teams, playing in our city um, yeah. so what does that mean for us well i think the the hbcu culture here as a whole isn't as big and as widely um shared i think as it could be um Kun spoke to it a little bit earlier but i think especially athletically that is an an area and a and a space that i think young athletes should explore a little more i know everybody dreams of playing for uh power five conferences or division one schools but i think um, it can be tough to match the lived experience and athletic experience at an HBCU. And I don't know that very many of our kids even take a look at playing baseball at those sort of institutions. And it is one that um, hopefully we can start to share a little bit more, expose our kids a little bit more and um, get a few more opportunities from, look, again, I'm, I believed in the lived experience. Uh, very few of our kids are going to playing the big leagues obviously we we challenge them to and we we try to uh, water that seed and that dream but at the same time it's hard to beat the college experience at hbcu absolutely so we're looking forward to this hbcu showcase uh, event obviously our commissioner's mm -hmm. cup team will be participating and attending i know the greater community is going to enjoy being present so hopefully this will revive an element within the black community when it comes to baseball as a viable option absolutely and uh, Again, uh, hopefully the community comes out and others who aren't necessarily a part of our program, but are, are even thinking about baseball or or even just the, um, the college experience in and of itself. I am I was excited to hear that this was going to be an event here. To your point, I don't remember there being a historically black college university baseball program playing anywhere in the Northwest for the most part. So um a wonderful opportunity. It should be a fun game to watch, and hopefully everybody comes out and supports it. Perfect. Lastly, let's just talk about preserving the cultural legacy of the only sport we've ever owned. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, Negro League Baseball was mm -hmm. there. Uh, we continue to build our work on the backs of those that came before us. Uh, what does this mean for baseball beyond borders and our vision moving forward? Yeah. What does that look like for us? Well, obviously, the space that we are in and the our mission statement, so to speak. The reason why we do what we do is to expose kids of color to the game of baseball, the, the, the lived experiences that it provides. And I think having this time in this showcase, for one, let me take a step back. I wanna give you your flowers mm. for what you've done as far as planting a seed in this community for baseball, creating this program, growing this program to the point it is now where we partner with the Mariners and kind of we're, we're kind of the go-to for baseball around, around these parts, especially for people of color. So again, 
Um, as far as our program growing, I think this is exactly why we do it. Uh, trying to afford kids an opportunity to play, obviously, as you know, select baseball and all of that is wildly expensive. Yeah. Um, so us being able to bridge that gap and then expose them to other opportunities like HBCUs and things of that nature. I think it's it, it fits right in with what we're doing. And it's, you know, it's a divine plan for sure. That's right. Well, you heard it from E.C. Parker there, VP of Baseball Beyond Borders. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to have an exciting moment in a conversation with Eliza Crawford. That's going to talk a little bit about the new emerging program, Softball Beyond Borders. So stay Hi, I'm Vesa Gordon from Converge Media, Hits 106.1, and back to baseball on Fox 13. And I'm Buki Gates from Baseball Beyond Borders. And we are here at T-Mobile Park, where on July 7th, they will host the very first ever HBCU Swingman Classic. That's right, Vesa. Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, has rounded up 50 of the very best ball players from HBCUs from all across the country, from schools like Jackson State, Grambling, Southern, FAMU, North Carolina A&T, Alabama State, and many more. It's literally the all-star game before the all-star game, right? Exactly. And the fact that the very first HBCU Swingman Classic is happening right here in the Emerald City is a big deal. A big deal indeed. And it sounds like a whole lot of black college homecoming vibes. You already know what it is. Don't miss out on this historic opportunity to see the very best of the best black college baseball players right here at T-Mobile Park on July 7th. Tickets are on sale now at allstargame.com. See you there. And we're back here at the takeover, uh, Pier 62. I am joined by our now esteemed guest, Eliza Crawford, who is uh, really helping support and run Softball Beyond Borders. It's a new emerging program that Baseball Beyond Borders has created to increase the gender equity when it comes to the play um, and accessibility to the sports. So Eliza, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Good. So let's talk a little about Softball Beyond Borders and the work that we are planning ahead. Yeah, so coming up, is this is going to be the first season that the softball team will have a regional team participating. And these girls, they, you know, they don't get the resources uh, that they can to really succeed. So this is a really big opportunity for them and just Seattle softball in general, like just for this to be seen out there and just the opportunities that, you know, that they do are that they are getting. This is going to really help flourish the game and continue to grow the sport of softball out here. Yeah. So now you come by way of California um, up to Seattle. Obviously, you spent a lot of time at the Compton Urban Youth Academy as well as the New Orleans Urban Youth Academy. Talk about the global experience of softball and just what you want to continue to see happen within our communities. So I would love to see just more girls get involved. I don't think they know the resources that are, that are out there. MLB does a great job of just giving these opportunities to the players who are involved within their, their communities, within the academies, they do a wonderful job of that. So I think once they get started there, they realize there's a big umbrella for them to get seen and, you know, possibly get recruited, you know, join these youth development events and just get an experience that a lot of people don't get to have. Now, you're in Seattle and not a lot of people know about you particularly. Now, I, I do know that you play collegiate softball. So talk a little about your experience and kind of where you came from. So I'm from Long Beach, California. Um, always been a softball player. Started at the age of five. One thing I have noticed is there are not a lot of players or coaches that look like me. So that was kind of my drive to coach. I played at Cal State Fullerton, not really knowing what I'm going to do afterwards. And I had, um, you know, I was blessed to be able to work with MLB uh, development. And that's really helped me just get to where I'm at now. And now my passion is to get more coaches to get more athletes that look like us out there on the field 
you know, there's so many opportunities for us, but it is a little bit harder because we have to earn our spot. We have to put in the extra work to actually get seen. So it's been really cool just getting these girls involved. Seeing the girls actually get to college, that is what does it for me because, you know, softball, there is a pro league, but it's not realistic for 80, you know, 80% of the girls who are playing. So for them to have a goal to graduate college, get a good career, that's what I do. That's why I do what I do. Wonderful. Now, I know just not long ago this year, we actually made an announcement as uh, a partner to now the Mariners Training Centers and EO1 Sports. Um, and I know that they also have a softball university. And part of your role up here in Seattle now is also take part in softball university, which is hopefully going to increase the pipeline of African-Americans participating in the sport, but also you know, seeing coaches that may yes. look like you be a part of that. So talk about that experience. So, yes, um, I've actually just started a couple of weeks ago with Softball U. Uh, there are multiple facilities out here within the area, which is really awesome. Just hitting different cities for the girls. Um, I would love to see more, you know, in, in that dynamic. But yeah. it's been super cool. There's summer camps, different training, um, just so many different events. And hopefully we can get more intertwined with uh, Softball Beyond Borders and really grow. That works. So you talked about the regional tournament, and this is going to be the first time that Seattle is going to host the regional tournament in probably 25 years. Uh, So we're excited about that. It's on the precipice of the All-Star Week. So when we talk about All-Stars, All-Star does not end July 12th. We continue (laughs) All-Stars because now we have a youth All-Star event that will take place July 14th through the 16th, which will include both baseball and softballs. So what do we expect? What are we expecting out of the softball side of things? Oh, this is a competitive tournament. Um, the girls ball out. They play their hearts out. Um, after this, if whoever wins this will go to the World Series in Vero Beach, Florida. So it is super competitive uh, this year. It's more than two teams. So I'm excited just giving more players these opportunities. Um, I know, you know, you don't know who's coaching these teams. It's an easy chance for them to get recruited. All it takes is one video one coach word of mouth for these girls to get that chance. And it's like, boom in your face. So that's why I really encourage players, parents, get your kids involved within these programs. There's so many bigger opportunities for them outside of just playing tournaments day in, day out. You're actually building your skills. There's, you know, future, like a, what's the word, a future for you within, even if you're not playing softball, you don't know who you're going to meet. You can find a job with broadcasting. There's so many opportunities, outlets, out there for these kids. Absolutely. And I know we have two Division One softball institutions here in our own city, both Seattle University and University of Washington. You will be hearing from one of the assistant coaches of University of Washington. So hopefully this is a selfless plug to make sure that University of Washington and Seattle U comes out July 14th through the 16th to watch some of this talent, not only coming from Seattle, but also from the Dodgers Dream Team, as yep. well as Hawaii, the Noba Yamauchi uh, yes. RBI program. All great organizations. Absolutely. So If you haven't heard it, July 14th through the 16th, the Nike RBI West Regional Tournament will be taking place here at Kent Meridian High School, Auburn Mountain View High School, Auburn High School, and Russell Road Park, Hogan Field. Uh, This is a great opportunity for you to come out. Not only do you want to come out and support, come out and volunteer. This will be a great opportunity for you to support those while also giving back. Uh, Eliza, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, We look forward to seeing softball being borders in the future. So this is The Takeover. I'm Pierce 62. We'll be back with another break. Hi, my name is Kenneth Salisbury, and I'm a proud alumnus of Elizabeth City State University and a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity. And hello, my name is Jacqueline Howard, a proud alumnus of Duke University and a member of Alpha Kappa
Hi, my name is Curtis Delgado II, a proud alumnus of the Hampton University and a proud member of the Gamma Epsilon chapter of Maze High Five And hi, my name is Angela Booker, a proud alum of Alabama Agricultural and Mechanical University and a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. We are here today with our Divine Nine family to tell you about a home run opportunity for high school students in the Seattle area looking to attend an HBCU in the future. And I am talking about the HBCU College Fair happening Friday, July 7th at T-Mobile Park, where college recruiters and representatives from Howard University, Ramblin, Tuskegee, Morehouse, Florida A&M, Southern University, Langston, and my alma mater, Elizabeth City State University, the Alabama Agricultural Mechanical University, and Perryview A&M. We'll all be in the building to answer all of your questions about these prestigious universities, as well as give you applications and further information. The HBCU College Fair kicks off a few hours before the HBCU Twin Man Classic, presented by Ken Griffey Jr. at 7 p.m., where 50 of the best black college baseball players in America will take to the field for an all-star game under the bright lights in T-Mobile Park. This is truly a doubleheader you don't want to miss. Black College Fair and the HBCU Swingman Classic. Friday, July 7th at 5 p.m. Followed by the HBCU Swingman Classic at 7 p.m. And we are capping off the night with the fireworks show. Tickets to the HBCU Swingman Classic are only $10 and include a college fair and are available at allstargame.com. The HBCU Fair is powered by the United Negro College Fund, the Major League Baseball Players Association, and the Major League Baseball Youth Development Foundation. I have a dream. That's what Dr. King said. Ham gives hope, doesn't it? Because the dream didn't die with Dr. King. It's still here as long as we're here, as long as they're here. This thing started with the dream, a vision, a little ambition, anticipating what was possible in the midst of improbable. How do we get our team through the South? We're going to talk about what happened here in 1964. This city was an ugly place to be. I need you on the battlefield making sure that one day and one day soon, by the time they are our age, we can all say, now all lives matter, and it be the truth. Our God is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Welcome back, everyone, to The Takeover. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, And joining me right now, we have Joshua Magallanes and Brittany Miller. What's up, y'all? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having us. Absolutely. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's so great to have both of y'all because you represent uh, a portion of bringing more inclusivity into sports and particularly baseball, softball. So I want to talk to both of y'all about what you do. I'll start with you, Joshua. Let us know about the foundation and the organization you represent. Great. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, I've uh, been with the North American Gay Amateur Athletic Alliance for 24 years and in Seattle since 2004. Um, and I'm the assistant AB commissioner. And so we provide an opportunity to safe space for queer folks, both BIPOC, 
core identified individuals and our accomplices, those individuals who don't identify that way to play and play competitively and be in a place that's fun. Wow. Amazing. And Brittany, tell us more about the work you do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a part of the ECSA. Josh and I are both on the board together, but um, my own organization is the Puget Sound Pronouns here. Uh, we're also a 501c3 and we're focused on trans and non-binary inclusion in sports. Um, just, just last month, we went out to Philadelphia and picked up a local trans woman who was just out of the closet, helped her find community. She had a big hit to drive in two runs to go ahead in the seventh inning in a game we won. So um, you know, just doing that mission out there, helping people like me feel safe and and supported playing sports is really important with what's happening with us right now. Yeah, well, I think it's important in general. I mean, there's this understanding of the need for us to create spaces that are no longer about like just diversity, equity and inclusion, but really moving into belonging. And it sounds like both of y'all are doing that work. Tell us about some of the successes you've been able to see since you've been doing this work. Yeah, I think, you know, what Eliza talked about earlier around like having folks that look like me, play like me, be like me, right? That's the transformation piece. I didn't see very many gay Latinos teaching, coaching, and playing baseball. I came, I, I played through the uh, Cub Scout League in the 90s and is super homophobic. And so trying to be me, the real me, and then come out, I think some of the successes are being a part of this board. Um, seeing us host the World Series, the Gay World Series, which moves from city to city each year uh, in 2008 and being able to play every year and, and meeting people throughout um, has just been fantastic. And I love that we get that opportunity and to share space on the field with other folks. Well, it's great to be able to hear these kind of stories. Brittany, you you know, share with us some of those kind of key points. I mean, you just spoke about going out there to Philly, you know, being able to bring someone into community. That's really key. But what are some of the other things that you're really looking to do as the pronouns take off? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, this league is what let me let me come out of the closet. Uh, so I started in this league presenting as a cis man with a big denial beard. Um, which obviously I think I look a lot better without it now. Um, but some of our successes last year, we started with just me as one trans player, our coach, Sarah, who's been in the league for about 20 years as a trans coach. This year we have four trans women on the team. Um, big shout out to one of our big success stories, Brie Wilka, who is new to the league this year. She just started playing softball last year. Uh, she's an ambidextrous pitcher. She's awesome. She has found belonging and shows joy on the field. Uh, in a way that shows she's truly found a spot to belong. And that's what we want to do. Like, she's an example of the success of our mission. Well, you know, I, I think that this is really important and key, especially because as you were talking about there, you know, oftentimes if there is no kind of establishment that is willing to accept folks, we see a lot of folks not being able to be who they actually are. And they're trying to just do something they love. So when you think about your personal journeys, I love how both of y'all have these anchors that really get you into this work, right? There's something that's very personal for both of you to be able to provide these kinds of spaces for folks just like yourselves. Um, the ways that that sports and athletics is changing, I would love to talk to both of you about how you're experiencing more of this level of intentionality, uh, not just with your spaces, but I think we're starting to see some trends kind of move in the direction of we, we can't really continue doing business the way that we have and causing more harm for different folks. So I would love to hear from you, Brittany, about how you're kind of seeing these trends and maybe how you're experiencing them. 
Sure. Uh, yeah, I think one of the big things is um, last year was really my second year out of the closet. And there was the uh, issue of Greg Abbott's um, directive to consider trans affirming care, child abuse in Texas and Naga's World Series was in Dallas. Um, so, you know, I helped like our league and Naga as a whole have a trans voice to listen to. Uh, and help them plan events um, that would really focus on our community because, you know, right now we kind of are the um, villains that the conservatives have chosen, uh, trans folks like myself, and then especially folks like my partner, Jerrica, who is a black trans woman. So she's got all the intersections of oppression. Um, so being able to go to somewhere like ECSA and Naga and have our voice be heard and have them try to set up events and programs that will encourage us to be in these leagues and show that we belong rather than shying away and hiding, which would be easier to do, but actually embracing and coming out and saying like, hey, we're welcoming you in um, has been extremely important. Wow. Same, same for you, Joshua. Tell us. Yeah. You know, I think um, it really is uh having institutions change what they do their day to day. I do a lot of work. Um, I wear a lot of hats here in <laughs> Seattle, um, but I do a lot of work with Compete Sports Diversity. And part of my job with them is to educate and, and really bring in a new lens and to really transform. I just got back from Clearwater working with the Tampa Bay uh, Rays and the the message and the information and the education I was really talking to them about was if you're going to do good change and if you're going to create um, a place for everybody with all those intersections um, that are being met, like you have to think from an abolitionist point of view. Right. And so you have to really look at the institution and take things down. Uh, I help host a summit here with them in the fall um, with uh, various partners and whatnot. And so that's kind of what I do. And, and it is creating that space there or else I wouldn't have been able to be me. Um, and, and there's something special and celebratory about being able to show up in these spaces and kind of, yeah, have that anger. I don't have a choice. Right. I'm Latino. I'm brown. I'm Moreno. Bring it right. Like that's what you're going to get. Well, I, I really love that because that's actually a part of what I do, too, in community. And I love what you said there because I think you're so right for those of us who live in our skin and it makes us different. And, you know, no matter what, like whatever choices we have, I don't have a choice. And I say that all the time when I'm thinking about black liberation movements. It's like I have two sons. Right. I don't have a choice. So I love that uh, you really bring that forward. And it's great to hear that there are these opening of the minds. I think that's really what we're seeing is kind of a mind shift. And you're right. You know, right. Like we see this polarity in our democracy all the time. Um, and it's great to hear that, you know, we have some anchors here in Seattle that are really doing the work. Lastly, as you think about how your work progresses over years to come, you know, future generations, knowing that these organizations and institutions exist and that there's spaces for them. I want to hear from both of you some things that you're really looking forward to, to in terms of not just changing the mindsets, but also having these spaces for folks. And when we think about future generations and how they experience this welcoming and, and this embracing. I'll start with you, Brittany. Sure. Uh, so what we're doing this year, uh, this August is our second annual youth skills clinic. Uh, it's something that I'm really excited about. Uh, last year, it was a big success. We had, you know, cisgender, non-binary, trans kids coming out to play and just giving them the opportunity to see other kids who look like them and not just teaching them skills because slow pitch is more of an adult sport, but it's much more about teaching them teamwork and how to be a good friend um, and we're 
feeling like programs like that are really what are going to help the next generation see that people like us are okay. Uh, we have some other events in the work, but that's the big one we do every year. We're partnering with the Gender Justice League, and that will be held uh, August 13th. So if you'd like to get your little sluggers out there to uh, work with us for you know, a trans, non-binary, inclusive youth skills clinic, please let me know. That's something that I feel it's near and dear to my heart. If I'd seen something like that, I would have come out before my 30s. Wow. Amazing. Uh, you know, I think about legacy all the time. In this work, it's tiring. Um, the energy suck from people in general, right? Institutions is tough. And so when I think about it, I think about like what will happen 10, 15, 20 years from now. And hopefully it's folks not having to teach how to be inclusive or how to provide equity, but instead we teach classes on like queer studies history, right? Things that have happened. And so uh, for me, that's how I would like to look back and see where we've made that change and how we continue to really, um, you know, continue to use my shoulders to step on at some point. Yeah, there we go. Y'all are doing phenomenal work, setting a foundation that is so necessary. I got to give you both time uh, to look right there in that camera closest to me. Let folks know how to tap in with the work you're doing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can just find me, uh, find us on Twitter at Puget Sound Pronouns, on Instagram at Puget Sound Pronouns, on Facebook, we're the Puget Sound Pronouns. Um, we're always looking to add more people, uh, whether we're looking for teammates, whether we're looking for staff, um, just any way you want to help out with trans and non-binary folks, let me know. And that's the, our mission. So we will let anyone in who wants to be a part of a positive change. And you can find the Emerald City Softball Association at emeraldcitysoftball.org. We're also on Instagram. And if you want to look at the larger uh, organization, it's the North American Gay Amateur Athletic Alliance. Wow. Y'all, thank you so much for joining me today and in really enlightening me on the work y'all are doing. It's so necessary. Appreciate both of your energy and your time uh, and really opening the doors. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Ooh, what an amazing segment right there. Of course, the amazingness continues as Big O joins me back on the set. And we talk about Suquamish. It's basis after. I, I, I got the list. We talk about the Suquamish Museum. Y'all stay tuned. You're watching The Takeover. I have a dream. That's what Dr. King said. Have gives hope, doesn't it? Because the dream didn't die with Dr. King. It's still here as long as we're here, as long as they're here. This thing started with the dream, a vision, a little ambition, anticipating what was possible in the midst of improbable. How do we get our team through the South? We're going to talk about what happened here in 1964. This city was an ugly place to be. I need you on the battlefield making sure that one day and one day soon, by the time they're our age, we can all say, tell all lives matter, and it be the truth. Our God is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Hey, I'm Vesa Gordon. You may have heard my voice on Hit 106.1 or seen me on Converge Media, but now I'm coming to TV. I'm hosting the newest show on Fox 13 called Back to Vesa. 
Check us out every weekend for the hottest topics, interviews, the latest trends, and uplifting stories. We're going to have so much fun, and teens, we got you too. Back to Base is Saturday nights, 10.30 on Fox 13, and Sundays at 10 a.m. on Fox 13 Plus. Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out, down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. Hi, I'm Besa Gordon from Converge Media, Hits 106.1, and Back to Besa on Fox 13. And I'm Buki Gates from Baseball Beyond Borders. And we are here at T-Mobile Park, where on July 7th, they will host the very first ever HBCU Swing Man Classic. That's right, Besa. King Griffey Jr., the kid, has rounded up 50 of the very best ball players from HBCUs from all across the country, from schools like Jackson State, Grambling, Southern, FAMU, North Carolina a and Alabama State, and many more. It's literally the all-star game before the all-star game, right? Exactly. And the fact that the very first HBCU Swingman Classic is happening right here in the Emerald City is a big deal. A big deal indeed. And it sounds like a whole lot of black college homecoming vibes. You already know what it is. Don't miss out on this historic opportunity to see the very best of the best black college baseball players right here at T-Mobile Park on July 7th. Tickets are on sale now at allstargame.com. See you there. All righty, guys. Welcome back. We are still at the takeover over at Pier 62. I am Vesa Gordon, and right now I am joined by two amazing women. One happens to be named Victoria Hayward. She is the UW assistant uh, for softball coach. And then also we have Amber Kelly, co-founder of the Women's Club Baseball. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. So, okay. Uh, one thing I definitely want to talk to you guys about is your careers, getting into baseball, getting into softball, especially as women. Yeah, I'll take that first. So, um, I mean, like so many people, when you're young and you're just getting into sports as a way to make friends, as a way to just be a part of a community, um, that was kind of where my softball journey started. And uh, from there, kind of took off. I competed with the Canadian Olympic team for 15 years, and which that brought me to the University of Washington, where I was able to compete as a student athlete. And now an Olympics later, a professional career still going, happy to come back and give back to my alma mater in the Pacific Northwest, which is like holds such a good place in my heart. Come on, Olympics. All right, Amber, what about you? Yeah, similar to Victoria, I started playing softball when I was probably five years old. And it was just kind of an outlet for me to be able to play with a group of girls and really create that community. Um, so I continued playing until high school. And after that, decided to stop. I didn't really want to play um, competitively in college, I kind of just wanted the college experience. Uh, but then once I came to college, I was kind of missing that community that I got when I had softball all my life. So when I got the opportunity to create a women's baseball team my junior year of college, I kind of jumped on it. And it was a really, really awesome experience to have that for my last two years of college. Now, I was reading about that and you guys actually won a championship. So tell me a little bit more about this women's baseball team. Yeah. So basically, a couple of years ago, I was approached by one of my good friends. Her name's Katie Firestone, and she's the other co-founder of the team. 
And we are both super passionate about softball and baseball. And she heard about this program called Baseball for All. And their mission is to create more women's baseball teams on college campuses throughout the country. Just because there's so many women and girls that have grown up playing baseball or grown up dreaming about playing baseball that never got the opportunity because they were turned down um, in the male-dominated sport. So our mission is really just to create a space for girls and women that want to play baseball and give them the opportunity to create community and play the sport that they love. I love that. Victoria, can we talk a little bit more about that? The importance of women to be able to be in sports and just really live their best lives. Yeah, I think so many of us growing up, we watched baseball because that's all there was on TV. And so now to be able to have women choose to play baseball or choose to play softball, there are role models and uh, professional athletes that are actually accessible to young to young girls. And I think having those role models and having those goals be tangible and um, just inspire your work ethic. Uh, and, you know, it brings so many other great things to your life and to the community than just, you know, playing the sport. It's so much bigger than that. So I think any opportunity for young girls to get involved in sport is amazing. And whether that's softball or baseball is just so incredible. Now, I could be wrong. I was I was doing some Googling and I seen something on uh, the UW softball page. There was like a camp on there. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So we run camps pretty consistently throughout the year. Some are obviously for recruiting purposes for older student athletes. But something that we're really passionate about is just mini dogs, like young softball players. Can we get them into the sport um, and just show them what UW softball is all about? And it's something that you know, we are really, is really important to us and being part of the community. I love that. Now, do you guys have anything going on coming up in the next couple months that we should definitely be looking out for? Yeah, we have our first camp is actually at the end of this week. So I know it's a crazy weekend for Seattle sports and all those things, but uh, really just keeping up with the website. We have uh, tons of camps going on through the fall and winter. That's really our main time. Now, are you guys able to work together at all? Is there like any intertwining or are you just like, man, there's the baseball, there's the softball. In my head, we have women that are playing sports. So like, do you guys ever come together? We haven't had the chance to do that yet, but um, my team was really just started. So we're kind of still getting our feet off the ground. But I think we'd love to at least do some interaction with the softball team. I think that would be super cool just because we all have such similar experiences and you know, women in sports just always have something to bond over. But we have had the opportunity to um, kind of work with the men's club baseball team. So that's been really awesome. They've been super inviting. Um, we've had a couple of scrimmages with them and they're all super supportive of our women's team, which is really cool. I love that. Now, I am curious to know, uh, with men in sports getting so much coverage, do you guys think that there will ever be a turning moment when women do have more coverage in sports like the men do? I mean, I hope so. Dang. I mean, I would hope so, for. you know, um, but it's like, like how much like, OK, for example, uh, old rain, they are so dope. And one of the things I want to do is continue highlighting what they're doing on the field. Like I went and I came out so energized. But there's some people that still don't know that we necessarily have a women's soccer team, but they're so talented. I think the exposure is big. So social media has been really huge for that. And just, I think they're different experiences. I think the sports are incredible, but 
I mean, I'm definitely biased, but I think the experience of going to a women's game and the community that you felt being there, the community that I know I feel at a Husky softball game, the community that will be there at UW club baseball is it's different. It's about the athletes stories. It's, it's a little bit of a more intimate, maybe experience and emotional experience than maybe watching men, not to say that they're you can compare them, you know, hand in hand. But I think that the stories that you hear from women competing in professional sports are incredible and just continue to amplify those stories and those voices and, and give more of a platform for those. Because I think when people experience it, it's a pretty credible, there's a really great response. No, absolutely. And then, um, I don't know how much time that I have left, but I definitely want to ask you guys, since we are at all-star week right now, is there anything that you most are excited about? I am super excited for the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game, of course. Um, there's so many cool events going on here. And, you know, growing up being a big baseball fan, I'm from the Bay Area, grew up really big Giants fan. Yeah, <laughs> it'll just be super cool to see so many players from different teams come together to compete. And I think baseball in general, whether it's men's, women's, anybody, um, it really is an awesome way to bring people together and bring the community together. And it's a really cool bonding experience. So I'm just most excited to get together with my friends and watch the games and the events and just enjoy baseball. I love it. What about you, Victoria? I think uh, just about same. I think the home run derby is second to none. So much fun, but really just seeing the community rally around baseball, softball, having everybody be out here and just the excitement around it. Beautiful Seattle weather. You really can't beat it. I love it. All right. Well, you guys, I don't actually have the list in front of me. So I am going to say this. Thank you so much, Amber, for joining me. Thank you so much, Victoria, for joining me. And hopefully I will see you guys over at the Home Run Derby. All right. This is the takeover and we are off to commercial break. The WashDOT Pass program has really impacted me with their funding, creating a, a space for us to bring these cohorts in, women and men, um, especially in the BIPOC community, people that are looking for livable wages in certain zip codes to make sure that they're able to take our peer apprenticeship program and that we're also able to help them with any barriers that they have. You can be an apprentice, you can get into this field. You don't have to be tough, you don't have to have tough skin, you don't have to be a man to be in this industry. Visit the link at the end of this video to learn more. Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community. The places you go, the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out. Down to a formula. A calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in. They talked to our lender and saved our home because falling on hard times does not have to mean losing your home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHAF.org. Hi, I'm Basa Gordon from Converge Media, Hits Little 6.1, and Back to Basa on Fox 13. And I'm Buki Gates from Baseball Beyond Borders. And we are here at T-Mobile Park where on July 7th they will host the very first ever HBCU Swingman Classic. That's right, Basa. Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, has rounded up 50 of the very best ball players from HBCUs from all across the country from schools like Jackson State, Grambling, Southern, FAMU, North Carolina a and Alabama State, and many more. 
It's literally the all-star game before the all-star game, right? Exactly. And the fact that the very first HBCU Swingman Classic is happening right here in the Emerald City is a big deal. A big deal indeed. And it feels like a whole lot of black college homecoming vibes. You already know what it is. Don't miss out on this historic opportunity to see the very best of the best black college baseball players right here at T-Mobile Park on July 7th. Tickets are on sale now at allstargame.com. See you there. The new COVID-19 updated booster provides the best protection available right now. So don't wait. Stay safe this summer and get your updated booster today. To find a free vaccine provider near you, go to kingcounty.gov forward slash vaccine. All right. Beautiful view right there. It's kind of cloudy at the minute, but at the moment, but you know, it's, it's town business. It's going to clear up. We're getting a little sunshine. Pretty sure though, Chuck, the roof's going to be open tonight, right? Okay. We got the roof open. Welcome back to the takeover. My name is Omari Salisbury. We're broadcasting live here from Pier 62. Uh, before we, we move on here, I just got to acknowledge a few people. We've had some great visuals, you know what I'm saying? This, the last few weeks, especially around uh, the HBCU Swingman Classic. We got a few people. Francisco is here with us today. Francisco shot a lot of that footage that's there in the uh, that commercial you see with Basic Gordon and Buki Gates. And big shout out to Brady McAtee, who is the editor on that. Um, and as we give acknowledges, acknowledgments here, um, this next segment is about a historical event, the Suquamish Nation. Right, right across across the water, man. It was over a hundred years ago. They sent a baseball team over to Japan, and our Winfield Ezel, Trey Ezel, and our producer, because she's the jack of all trades, Marie Cadet, took the ferry over there across the water and captured this incredible story. Team was very legendary, and it happened a long time ago. And um, so when I was younger and working at the museum, there were always these like, hey, did you know those guys went to Japan? Those old guys went to Japan? And I really go, yeah, the, the Lowry brothers and Webb. And I, of course, I grew up with Webb. So um, Lawrence Webster, because him and my dad were good friends. And we were, you know, of course, my mom and dad were good friends with Maryland. When I started working for the tribe, I was uh, in college and I had a part-time job with the tribe in our archives, the story started to come out more and it became more of a focus of a big part of our history. So there was a lot of recordings done of, of the trip. Here they had this big opportunity for a fully expensed, supposed to be, fully paid trip to Japan and they were going to get paid to play because they were semi-pro. And uh, they had to put a team together. And it was like, okay, well, let's go to Japan. And uh, I think some of them looked at them and went, Japan, where's that? You know, and, so, and some of them were like, well, wait a minute, I got a job. I can't just take off Japan for two months. So they had to get a team together. And then they ended up with mostly the younger guys. And it was like Webb and Wood, Wood Lowry Brothers, my great uncle, Dick Temple. They were all, some of them 18, barely 18. Some of them may have not been 18, had to get you know, permission from their parents to go. And so they got eight players together. So I, I've been in that position before. Like, I got to find two more players, you know? So they ended up finding some guys in Seattle, real minor league players that they knew because they were like, you'd heard one of the better teams in, 
in the region. So they knew a lot of the other good ball players. And so they brought some of those guys on to help. My dad was 22 and his uh, friend Woody, I think was uh, 18 or around 18. And he had to really talk to his parents. He promised he would take care of him, that he would come back home. <laughs> My dad played different positions on the baseball team. And he also, he was a catcher and he was also did the uh, umpire. <laughs> it meant a lot to the community. Um, you know, family members of the ones that traveled there continued to play baseball. It was just really important. It was a main kind of thing that we had at that time, uh, you know, to have baseball. We had uh, people from Seattle came over here with ball teams, uh, the Navy, there were ball teams that they played, and then the Indian circuit. It was just really a big thing for the tribes to have a baseball team. My dad's name was Lawrence Webster. And most people called him Webb. I just know that he liked baseball from a very young age. They were brought over because there was a great interest in American Indians in Japan. And they thought it would be very unique to have, uh, it'd be a more unique American team, which they were. So that I think that they felt like they had a certain amount of responsibility to promote the game and also promote their culture. And then that was a lot for a couple of some 18, 19 year olds to take on for themselves. But I think they did a pretty good job of that not only having a joy for the game, but a responsibility to represent your people as a team. When we had our teams, sometimes we'd be going up against other tribes of, that would be four to five, six times larger than us. And we would have our team together. And I remember we'd have like my, me and my two brothers, and then we had uh, another set of four brothers. So. <laughs> Seven of the players were, you know, siblings for the most part. And then we fill them out with the rest. Family had this responsibility and, and, and as descendants of those players to carry on that representation of the nation. So that was part of our, that they passed on to us because um, they felt it was very important to represent the tribe. And that was why we played. The date of our 100th anniversary started to approach. I started thinking, God, this would be really fun to do something to honor the team. I started thinking about how to do that. And at first I thought, well, the Mariners should get involved, you know, because they're the, the, they're the team of Seattle and they've got the name of our chief on their uniform. It seemed only appropriate that they would honor a team that went to Japan, which has played a big role in the Mariners history as well. So after a little bit of effort, we were able to contact them and, and get that set up and and then really started working really hard on, on trying to get a, uh, the story kind of put together. When I heard that we were going to go over there for this big celebration, I was like, oh, I wish I could be the one to throw out that ball. But I didn't think that would happen. But I got a phone call from Leonard and he asked me if I wanted to throw the ball out. I was just about fainted. I was just... <laughs> I was so excited. When I threw that ball, I was overwhelmed with the the roar of everybody. <laughs> it was just so loud. And I really thought about my dad and all of those ball players that traveled over there and what they what they experienced in another country playing baseball. You just these little guys from over here and from our tribe, you know, and just 
it was it still makes me you know think about them when they traveled there what it had to be like to travel to another country I would like people to uh, maybe ones that don't know it that uh, they would come to know it and understand how important baseball was to our people they did travel and play against one another and other teams that this was sort of a the heart of our community at that time. We didn't have all of what we have today. And so it was just really the heart of our community was right here, this house right here. It's home. I think it's pretty great that we had a team in Suquamish, precursor to the Seattle Mariners, that not only had is the home of the, their name of the city, but also had a group of young people, young ball players, that went to the country of Japan and started a relationship that has continued between Seattle and Japan in a baseball manner. All right. Welcome back. Great segment right there. Big shout out to Winfield Ezel, Trey Ezel. Marie Cadet, and of course, Ruben. You know, people remember the famous speech. We have an editor in Mexico City. So, Ruben, believe it or not, man, he put that together in such Amazing. a fan fantastic way, man. What a great story, huh? Yeah, seriously, it really is. It's great to be able to be out at spaces like that and capture it in the moment and actually capture how folks can experience that amazing museum. Great work, team. Yeah, man, I'll definitely have to check it out for myself. Yeah. All right. So busy, busy day for all of us here. And, you know, especially a busy day for a lot of this crew. <laughs> so yeah. These guys are packing up, getting ready to go over to T-Mobile Park. We got a, a, a an amazing storytelling uh, situation that we're going to try to get in over there. You know what I'm saying? I know you'll be at Swingman. You know it. I'll be at Swingman. I'll also be at the uh, fair, the HBCU fair, man. Uh -huh. I got that. I got that That young kid, man. He's yeah. going into his senior year. I got to hear more about Elizabeth City State, man. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. You'll be you'll be a Swingman as well. Oh, I will definitely be at Swingman swinging. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, man. want to say thank you to everybody who's been supportive of us this week at the Takeover All-Star Edition here at Pier 62. First and foremost, our partners, Friends of Waterfront Seattle, or Waterfront Park Seattle, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, the place so nice, they named it twice. Uh, everybody over there at the Seattle Sports Commission, I'm talking about Beth, Mara, Rob, a few other people we probably haven't met yet, but they're back there holding it down. Also, our partners over at Visit Seattle. Visit Seattle, want to remind everybody to check out that Green Path app, um, but Another big, big thank you. And a lot of times they don't get the thanks they deserve. Elite Collective. Yay. Carlos Imani, this whole team that's here. I mean, man, we're able to literally just show up because they show up um, and, and make these productions so easy for us. The world famous DJ Topspin, a.k.a. Blindiana Jones. And I say world famous as well because we've been around the world together. You know what I'm saying? Over the years, man, it's crazy. We done, we've been everywhere together, man, around the globe. Um, you know, so a special thank you to that. We said we got Cesar Canizales here today. Thank you, Cesar. Chuck, circling Seattle sports in the building. All the mamas here. Mama T-Dub. You know what I'm saying? My mama's here. Mama Everard was here earlier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's good. I've said a lot. We'll go around here. 
Your last words before we get out of here, Basic Gordon. Uh, man, if you're coming downtown, don't drive. Make sure you Uber or take a scooter, okay? All right. Good advice. Uh, you know, get out here tonight to the Swingman Classic. This is iconic. The first of its kind right here in the Pacific Northwest. And it's bringing the HBCU cultural experience to our area. Tickets are $10, y'all. Show up if you have young people who are interested in HBCUs. Now is a great time to learn from them directly at the HBCU fair right before the game. Make sure you get those tickets and we'll see you at the stadium. All right. Fantastic. And I would say this is that, you know, a lot of times going to a historically black college, man, a lot of a lot of your journey is, you know, it's kind of subpar in a lot of places because of funding. It's never as good. Right. And one of one of the questions that I've been asked in a lot of interviews I've been doing is like, man, what do you think it means for the players? We're actually going to ask some of the players tonight. But I always say that it reaffirms. You know, it's like a reaffirmation tonight when they run out that tunnel and run onto the field at T-Mobile Park for all the years of commitment and everything else. And baseball is an expensive sport, and a lot of times our kids are priced out of it. So, you know what I'm saying? To be able to raise the money, to continue to play, to stay in the game and everything else, man, and to go to HBCU, and when they come out of that tunnel tonight, you know what I'm saying? And that first pitch is thrown at 742 in recognition the number 42 Jackie Robinson, man, I can only imagine. I'm Man, I'm here for the players. We've done a whole two, three-week push for our community, and now I get to switch over. Me and Charles Hammerker, we're going to be all about them players on the field. So uh, please come out. Please be part of the festivities, the celebration, and everything else. We need our community to show up. You know what I'm saying? Come out. Trey Holiday is going to be there. Basic Gordon is going to be there. Come meet them. If you want, you can hang out with me and Chuck, too. We'll be around. <laughs> Um, but just want to continue to say thank you for everybody. Thank you for your support. We're going to get out of here. And uh, I'll leave you with this. Go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. And until 11 a.m. on Monday with the Day with Trey, hosted by the Big O. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.